Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Good morning. Everybody good? Who's ready for the word this morning? It's been a while since it was my turn to preach. Y'all better... Put on your seatbelts. Why do I have this candy? We'll see about that in a minute. Good morning to everybody watching online. How about you shout to everybody watching online? Good morning. We miss you. If you're not here this morning, come on back. We're having a good time in the house of the Lord. But we just want to say hi and God bless you, everybody watching out there on the interweb. Liz, my wife, had a vision during worship just now. I want to ask her to come and just share what she saw, all right? Tell us. Tell us what happened. Um, well, you know, we were worshiping, and, um, you know, two years ago when, uh, I don't know if you knew, but my mom was diagnosed with cancer, and especially those two songs were like, our to-go songs while we were going through the process. And while going through the process, I, um, like two years ago, I got to experience angels like I've never experienced. And so this morning while we were worshiping, there was a point that I saw like there was no roof. And I just saw the presence like angels coming down. And it, I don't know, it's just, just powerful because the same sense that I had like to like a year and a half ago of like the help and like that we were not alone like angels are fighting for us I felt it this morning again but I saw like a lot of angels coming and and angels come to help us you know angels are messengers of God to strengthen us you know to give us um, encouragement and to fight for us and to go before us and for the battle so I don't know what you're uh, battling today I don't know why how you came here but we need to be aware of angels yes. does that make sense and we need to be like man give me all the angels to help me <laughs> and I just want to read you know when Elisha prayed for his servant open his eyes Lord so that he might see then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Mm. So that's what I pray that you will be able, that your spiritual eyes will be open to see yes. the heaven, you know, and the heavenly help and the angels are here for us and going, you know, I just fell after worshiping, you know, okay, we can do this, you know, whatever you're going through, you know. God is good, and yes. he sends his angels to prepare the way for us when we say yes to him, yes. when we say yes to discipleship, when we say yes to doing the uncomfortable, when we say yes to changing our family, when we say je like yes to doing changes and, and putting things away, you know, like we've learned. You know, he sends his angels before us to prepare the way to strengthen us. Jesus. Come on. Wow. Well, it's my privilege after three weeks that I get to share with you God's wonderful word this morning. So 
I just want to remind you that as usual, if you'd like to follow along the message, the outline is available for you. Uh, printed there in the in the preaching box in the back if you'd like a printed outline or as usual you could follow along in your bible app there's a digital outline there if you'd like to follow along the message y como siempre está también disponible en español all righty well after a couple of weekends in a row of encounter retreats oh my goodness and our past two sundays were our closeout sessions for the Encounter Retreat, we learned some very, very powerful truths about discipleship from Pastors Julian and Diana. It was wonderful the past uh, two weekends. And then this, who was here this Wednesday night? Oh my goodness. Wow. What a powerful presence of God as we were able to baptize. I think it was, I think it was 10 that, that were baptized in water this past Wednesday night. It was an amazing time together. And I'm just so excited this morning to now, once again, get back to our 2021 theme, which is multiply, right? I, just before we really dive into this word today, you know, our theme this year is 2021, and I'd like to see if anyone could recite from memory, don't put it on the screen, please, if anyone could recite from memory our 2021 theme verse. This is a verse we're saying again and again and we're memorizing it. Can anybody recite it from memory? And do not look at the Bible app, okay? Anybody can recite it? Anybody got it memorized yet? Okay, come on. All right, let's try it. Let's try it. Then the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiply greatly. Where is that found? Acts 6-7. You get a green candy. <laughs> Who else? Who else can say it verbatim, word for word in the, in the, in the memory, the actual reference? Oh, come on. <laughs> the verse, again, the verse. No, no, no. The verse again. The memory verse. Okay, all right. Way back here. The word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly, Acts 6-7. Come on, Evan, you get a green candy too. All right. <laughs> All year long, our aim is to multiply. Y'all didn't even need the screen for that either. Come on, let's try that one more time. We want to multiply the culture of Jesus through the words of Jesus. And you know, uh, throughout this year, we are reading word for word through the gospel of Mark, all right? My goal is that by the end of 2021, we will have read all the way from the beginning to the end, chapters 1 through 16 together on Sundays through the gospel of Mark because it's the words of Jesus that teach us the values of Jesus, right? And the values of Jesus, uh, values are what creates culture, right? We learned about culture a few weeks ago. And so this year, our whole desire is that as we read through the gospel, as we take a close look at the words of Jesus, the values, the culture of Jesus will be cultivated and multiplied in and through us. Amen? All right. So earlier on, all right, the last week of January and the first week of February, we read through the whole chapter of Mark 1, and we learned about two baptisms. Can you remember what they were? The baptism of repentance, also called water baptism, right? But the baptism of repentance, and then the baptism of the 
Holy Spirit. And then as we continued to read through Mark chapter 1, we learned that the Holy Spirit empowers me for my purpose. Very good. The Holy Spirit empowers us for our purpose. Speaking of purpose, today we're going to continue. Now, let's go to Mark chapter 2. All right, Mark chapter 2. And just a reminder, as we read through the gospel of Mark, we are taking our reading from the Amplified Version. Because the Amplified Version, the Amplified Translation gives us more uh, translation of the Greek words so we can better understand what we're reading. Who's ready for Mark 2? Come on, punch your neighbor. Or slightly, lovingly tap your neighbor. And ask them. I want you to ask them. Are you ready for your purpose? Come on, turn to somebody else and tell them. You look like a good friend to me. All right. Are we all awake and ready to to pay close attention to the word of the Lord? All right. Let's go. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus returned to Capernaum. And a few days later, the news went out that he was at home, right? Where did Jesus live as an adult? Capernaum, right? Remember? Born in Bethlehem, refugee in Raised in, lived as an adult in, crucified in, and ascended back into. Hey, good job. (laughs) But home for Jesus was Capernaum. He didn't spend a lot of time there, but when he was home, it was Capernaum, all right? So many people gathered together that there, so many people gathered together that there was no longer room for them, not even near the door. And Jesus was discussing with them the word of God. All right, so here we have Jesus, and he's having a big old teaching meeting, okay? Then they came, bringing to him a paralyzed man who was being carried by four men, all right? When they were unable to get to him because of the crowd, remember, the house was full, and there wasn't even room at the door, all right? So they couldn't get their paralyzed friend to Jesus. It says they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. They removed the roof above Jesus, all right? Let me give you just a little bit of explanation here, okay? The roof of a typical home in Israel in this time was composed of clay tiles, which were laid on a mat of branches. So it was like a bunch of branches that created a mat, and then they put the clay tiles on top of that. And then that was all supported by wooden beams. And so literally what they would have had to do was somehow get up on the roof. I don't know if this house had an outdoor ladder or if they like hoisted it up. I don't know how they got up there, but they got up on the roof. They would have had to remove one of the tiles and then make a hole through the branches between the beams. And then it says, when they had dug out an opening... They let down the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. Can you just see this? I mean, this was like a spectacle, y'all. Almost like a trapeze, right? All right, we're going to, they just lowered him down with ropes or however they lowered him down on his mat right in front of Jesus. Come on, somebody say bold. Bold. 
These guys were bold. They weren't going to take no for an answer. They, they weren't going to let people get in their way of getting their friend to Jesus. They were bold. So when Jesus saw their active faith, oh, come on, we've learned this here at Encounter Church, but remember, faith is more than belief. Faith is belief in action. Real faith requires us to do something. And Jesus saw their active faith. He saw that they more than just believed in him. He saw that they believed so much in him that they were willing to do something with what they believed. Come on, does anybody have active faith out there today? It says that he saw their active faith springing from confidence in him. They knew he could do it. They knew he could heal their friend. It says, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. I could just see, can you make the face that you think the friends made when Jesus said, Son, your friends, your, your sins, <laughs> your friends are forgiven too, but your sins are forgiven. I mean, it was pretty obvious what they wanted, right? But Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. Come on, make the face the friends probably made. Now make the face you think the paralyzed man made. What the? But some of the scribes were sitting there debating in their hearts. Who were scribes? There were one group of very, very, very religious people that thought they knew more than anybody else, okay? They knew all about God, but they did not know God, okay? They knew all the scriptures, but they couldn't even recognize God standing in front of them. So they were, they were debating in their hearts. So they, they, were, they had this religious thing about them, and they didn't say it, but they were debating, they were thinking it on the inside, but guess who can hear what we think on the inside? They were debating in their hearts the implications of what Jesus had said. Why does this man talk that way? You ever thought something inside? Have you ever had an argument with somebody up here? laid out your entire argument and won the argument in your mind. I saw all the husbands and wives looking at each other laughing. <laughs> they normally do. Okay, so they were like, they were arguing on the inside with Jesus. How often do we just argue with God on the inside? <laughs> Guess what? He's always right. <laughs> yeah, he wins. He's blaspheming. That's what they were thinking. Who can forgive sins 
And then look what it says. Forgive sins. That means remove guilt, nullify sin's penalty, and assign righteousness. Except God alone. Exactly. That's who they were looking at, but they didn't know it yet. Okay? That's what forgiveness is. I, this, this isn't really even so much part of the message today, but I want you to get this today. Forgiveness is powerful. Forgiveness is so powerful because when God forgives, look what he does. He removes our guilt. But he doesn't just remove our guilt. He nullifies the penalty of our guilt. Come on, what does the Bible say the penalty of sin is? Death. He removes the guilt and he gets rid of the penalty. He nullifies it. And not only that, he assigns righteousness. He gives his righteousness. Aren't you glad you're forgiven this morning? And if you're not forgiven, you can be forgiven today. Call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. But they were upset and arguing with Jesus in their brain about him thinking he could forgive Immediately, Jesus, being fully aware of their hostility. (laughs) Have you also ever had an argument in your mind and you think the other person doesn't know that you're fighting them on the inside and then all of a sudden they say something because they know you're arguing with them in their mind, right? Well, Jesus knew everything. Jesus could literally read their mind. He knew exactly what they were thinking. He was fully aware of their hostility and knowing in his spirit that they were thinking he he's thinking this he said to them why are you debating and arguing about these things in your hearts which is easier to say to the paralyzed man your sins are forgiven or to say pick up your mat and walk which is easier to say but so you may know That the Son of Man has the authority and power on earth to forgive sins. Now, Son of Man was a title only Jesus used for himself. Okay? Jesus called himself the Son of Man because we know he's God. He's the Son of God. He's God born in the flesh as a human being. But he wanted people to know, I'm not only God, I'm man. Okay? I'm one of you. I'm in your shoes. I can feel what you feel. I know what you're going through. He called himself the Son of Man. And he wanted them to know that the Son of Man had the authority and power on earth to forgive sins. So he proved it. He said to the paralyzed man, I say to you, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. And he immediately got up and immediately picked up the mat and went went out before them all so that all were astonished and they glorified God and praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. What amazing friends this paralyzed man had. What amazing friends. You've got to grab a hold of this today. What amazing friends. They were committed to getting him to Jesus no matter how many obstacles were in their way. Are you that kind of friend for anybody? Am I that kind of friend for anybody? 
that no matter what's in their way, I'm going to get them to Jesus. Notice something. It was actually this man's friend's faith that brought this man's salvation and healing. It was his friend's faith, his friend's faith in action that brought this man about his, brought this man to salvation and healing. We know that that the paralyzed man had faith, but he had no way of actually putting action to his faith in the moment. It, he needed his friends to do something with their faith so that he could be brought to Jesus and be forgiven and be healed. Did you know that your active faith can change someone's life for eternity? Our faith isn't just for ourselves. I can put my faith in action for myself, but I can put my faith in action for my friends. And I have seen, I've experienced this. My faith in action has changed someone else's life forever. I've seen people exercise faith and change their husband's life forever. I've seen moms and dads exercise their faith and change their children's lives forever. I've seen friends put their faith in action. And because they had faith, they changed their friend's life for eternity. I'm going to give you some stories here in a few minutes of that, some personal stories. But I want to just say, maybe you're sitting there going, well, I just need some friends like that. Do you need friends to practice faith on you? Do you need friends to have faith for you? You know what the Bible says? It's just a free little nugget. It has nothing to do with the message. This is just a free little nugget, all right? Do you need friends like this man? Nobody said yes. Does anybody need friends like this? Be one. Be one. If you'll be this kind of friend, you'll get this kind of friends. And that's not just some positive talk. That's Bible, okay? If you want true friends, be a true friends. And real friends use their faith to get their friends to Jesus. Now, I gave a version of this word last year, okay? But as I was reading this and preparing for today, I felt the Holy Spirit stirring me and saying, preach it again. And so today, I'm going to, in the next several minutes, I'm going to give you a fresh, tweaked, multiply version of this word I gave last year called souls. Turn to somebody and say souls. See, the main thing, the main thing the main thing in the kingdom of God is souls. Why? 
Because, maybe some of you remember this from last year, disciples can be made only from souls that have been saved. Come on, let's read it together. Disciples can be made, I'm sorry, disciples can only be made of souls that have been saved. We talk a lot about discipleship. But when we talk about making disciples, we're not just talking about getting all of us to be better Christians. Come on, somebody. Going and making disciples. Jesus didn't just say, all right, you 12 disciples, just work on each other until kingdom come and make each other better Christians. No, he said, you're fishers of men. Go and preach the gospel. Go and lay your hands on the sick. Go and make disciples. Go and teach others everything I've taught you. So when we talk about making disciples, for the most part, we're talking about going to those who aren't yet saved, helping them find Jesus, like these friends did with their friend, so that they can become disciples, right? Come on, let's read it one more time together. Disciples can only be made of souls that have been saved. Our hearts must burn for the lost. Come on, people of God. If you're saved, your heart, my heart ought to burn for people that don't know Jesus yet. And if you're here this morning or you're watching or listening to this and you're not saved yet, today you're going to be saved. Because Jesus' number one priority, the reason he came from the Father was to save us, was to redeem us. Our hearts have to burn for the hopeless and for the broken, and for the needy. And the Holy Spirit is turning and refocusing the heart of His church onto the harvest. Yes. And Jesus told His disciples in another passage, the harvest is ready, y'all. That's the southern version. The harvest is ready, y'all. But ain't too many workers. Pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest to send more workers. Hint, hint. Get out there and do something. And get more people to join you in this work. And the Holy Spirit is doing this, y'all. As we move towards Easter, as we move, we, we felt the Holy Spirit just grip our hearts, a renewed focus on evangelism. The first word in our mission statement is reach, Right? Reach, disciple, revive. There are no disciples and there is no revival if we don't reach souls. It's time to win souls. It's time to go after those in our city and in our community that don't know Jesus like we do. It's time to go and take the message of forgiveness and salvation to those who haven't been forgiven yet. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just keep for me the salvation, the free. I want others, other people's guilt to be removed. I want their penalty to be nullified. And I want to see Jesus dress them in righteousness. That's why he came. Newsflash. That's why we're still on earth. Until the kingdom comes into the earth as it is in heaven, right? And the kingdom of God comes when hearts turn away from sin and turn back to him and receive salvation. Come on, say souls. And listen, as we move towards Easter, 
I know that Easter is a very big day for Christians and we like to celebrate and have a big shindig. And of course we're going to do that. We're going to double party this year because last Easter we were quarantined. <laughs> right? <laughs> so this Easter we're going <clears> to... <throat> but this year we don't want Easter to be all about us. Hello, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus every day. Look what we just did together a few minutes ago. We don't need a special day of the year to celebrate the resurrection. He is risen. He's alive forevermore. This Easter, we want to take the resurrection to our community. Because dead souls need to be brought back to life. Do you remember when your soul was dead? Do you remember the moment your soul came to life? How thankful are you for that person that helped you find Jesus? For that person that invited you to church? For that friend that told you their testimony? For that mom that prayed for you? For that grandma that interceded? <laughs> for that classmate, for that coworker that was bold enough to tell you you needed Jesus? In Mark chapter 2, I see souls. Souls, right? Now, Ian and Ashley talked about it. On April 3rd, from now leading up to March 24th, we are gathering non-perishable food because we want to take a demonstration of love to our city after having gone through such a tough time and so many people struggling financially. We want to gather as much food as possible and if you have connections with any organizations that provides food please we want to make a great impact but I don't want to depend on those organizations in counter church we can do it I'd love to partner with those that already have food but I want us to bring it and then on April 3rd the Saturday before Easter, the day before Easter, we're going to have a big outreach at Swift Cantrell Park and right here in our church parking lot, evangelizing in the park and giving out food here in the parking lot, praying for the sick, not just praying for the sick, healing the sick, okay, performing miracles, preaching the gospel, saving souls, and then something extra special for the kids on Sunday. This year, Easter is going to be a blast, but not because it's about us, but because we're taking the resurrection, the resurrected Savior to our city. Amen? Come on, say souls. Mark chapter 2, I see souls. I'm going to try to breeze through this, all right? I'm going to give you the acronym souls, S-O-U-L-S. This is all part of Mark chapter 2. S, slow down. O, open your heart. You understand eternity. L, listen. And S, speak. All right? Souls, the first S, slow down. Come on, tell your neighbor. Slow down. It's contrary to modern society. It's contrary to Metro Atlanta culture, right? But just tell somebody else. Tell them, slow down. Why? 
Why do we need to slow down for this reason? To notice people. Notice people. Your waitress at the restaurant, do we say waitress anymore? Is that PC? Server? Server at the restaurant? She or he is more important than your silly Instagram. I need a handkerchief today, all right? Your classmates, students, your classmates are more important They are more important than your essay, but I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> They're more important than any distraction you could have in front of you. People are more important than rushing. We have to slow down. Moms and dads, your children are more important then everything you got to get done. That's hard. <laughs> Parents, don't we have a lot to get done? If you're going to notice people, we have to slow down. Why? Please get this in your heart today. People are the object of God's affection. People. More than the mountains, more than the valleys, more than the stars, the sun, the moon, the sky, the ocean, the plants, the trees, the flowers, and the whales. People are the object of God's affection. Are they mine? Are people the object of your attention and affection? Jesus, I want you to, as you read through the Gospels, I want you to notice Jesus was never in a hurry. Never. He never rushed. In fact, the, if, if you look at Jesus in the Gospels, it's like he just walks slowly through the crowds, right? He walks. How do we know he walks slowly? Because people were pressing up against him and touching him all the time and wanting to get his attention. And guess what? He noticed people constantly. He, he noticed the blind beggar. He noticed the, 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 the woman who touched his robe. He, he, the, the list goes on and on. Jesus noticed people because he wasn't in a rush. He understood that his purpose was people. He gave us the, 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 the parable, right? The story of the Good Samaritan. Remember, the two religious folks, what were they? In a hurry, right? The temple worker, the Levite, and the priest, they come along and they see the man beat up on the side of the road and robbed and all that, and they're like, I'm, too, I'm in a hurry to the prayer meeting. I don't have time for you, right? I'm in a hurry. I haven't read my Bible today. There's your Bible right there. 
I'm in a hurry. I, I don't have time to notice you. I've got to make this post on Facebook because of all my followers that need to hear from me. I said, the Samaritan slowed down, stopped, tended to the beaten up man on the side of the road. He took time enough to slow down and take him to an inn and to get him some medical help. See, we got to slow down in order to notice people. I see in Mark chapter 2, you know, Jesus was sort of busy at the moment that these friends decided to bring their paralyzed friend on a mat and ropes and go up to the roof. He was pretty busy. He had a big discipleship class going on. I mean, the house was packed. People were outside listening to him teach. Didn't they know Jesus was busy teaching the word of the Lord? Jesus took time to stop the discipleship class, let them do their thing, forgive and heal the man. Come on, tell your neighbor one more time, slow down. And now, come on, tell them, notice people. Busyness is our modern reality. I mean, we're just busy. This is our culture. So if we're going to slow down, it has to be intentional. You're not going to just slow down automatically. If we're going to slow down, we're going to have to try. <laughs> we're going to have to make it happen, right? So I want to give you a challenge this week, all right? Is it okay to challenge you today? Challenge for this week. First week of full week of, uh, second full week of March. Intentionally take it slow this week and notice the people around you. And do this. Ask God to let you feel what he feels in his heart for them. Slow down intentionally. Intentionally notice people and ask God, let me feel what you feel for these people. Okay? Souls, S, slow down. O, open your heart. It's easy to notice people if we slow down, but that's not enough. I, aren't you glad Jesus didn't just notice people and keep going? Huh? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't just notice you and just go right on the longest way? No, Jesus opened his heart to people when he noticed them. He let them in. Another way to say this is he felt their need. He didn't just notice people's need. He felt their need. He opened his heart. He said, what do you mean? Jesus didn't just notice the sick. He felt their need and healed the sick. Jesus didn't just notice the hungry. He felt, uh, sorry, he felt their need, their hunger, and he fed them. Jesus didn't just notice the children. He felt their need of blessing and approval. And he said, come on, kids, come to me. And he took time and blessed them. He opened his heart to people. He taught the eager crowds. He spent time with his disciples. He didn't just notice people. He opened his heart again and again. We see this phrase about Jesus. It says he was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. Let that sink in. 
We got to open our heart. Listen, it's one thing to feel pity for people. You ever felt pity for someone and didn't do anything about it? Now, I know that we can't do something about everybody's situation. Jesus didn't even do that. He went to the pool of Bethesda, and there were all these sick people. He only healed one. Okay? He could have. He, we, we can't do something about everybody's situation, but we can do something about somebody's. Open your heart to people. Don't just feel pity. Be moved with compassion. Never do we see the scripture say Jesus felt compassion. It always says he was moved with compassion. Compassion moves us to do something about people in need. S, slow down. O, open your heart. U, the most important point of the day, understand eternity. Understand eternity. If you get this today, S and O and L and S will come a lot easier. We've got to understand eternity. Jesus understood something that neither this man nor his friends really understood. Jesus knew something that the scribes, that the religious people that were there arguing in their minds with him, he understood something that they didn't understand. He understood that this paralyzed man, man's greatest need was not to walk again. Eventually, he did walk again. But Jesus understood eternity. He understood that this man's greatest need, rather than being healing, was forgiveness. Do we understand that? Listen, please. Please open your heart to this today. People can be healed and still go to hell. Jesus performed miracles on several, and I highly doubt that some of them ended up in heaven. Because when you see the response after he healed them, I'm not sure that they submitted to him as the Lord. Hopefully later on. Remember the ten lepers? Remember? How many of them came back and actually wanted to follow Jesus? Uno. See, people can be healed and still go to hell. Our mission isn't just to heal the sick. Our mission isn't just to drive out demons. Our mission isn't just to perform miracles and do signs and wonders. If people don't get saved, we're missing the kingdom altogether. The miracles and the healings and all of that really exist for one reason. To point people to the one who forgives sins. Yeah? Listen, eventually... Everyone who gets healed of a sickness ends up dying anyway. Hello? I mean, you can have, you know, you can have cancer or COVID or be paralyzed or whatever it is and Jesus touch you and heal you. But guess what? In a couple decades, three or four decades, hopefully more than that, whatever, however long you got left, you're eventually going to die anyway. Yes? Healing isn't forever. Miracles aren't forever. All of that stuff is going to pass away in eternity. But guess what will be forever? Souls that have been forgiven and redeemed. And see, Jesus understood that this man needed more than healing, needed forgiveness. 
the cherry on top, the pilon, he healed him anyway. <laughs> Which got a lot of other people to believe, right? Understand eternity. People were not made for hell. People were not made for hell, and hell was not made for people. Read it. It's in the Bible. But the consequence of unforgiven sin is eternal separation from God. The Bible calls it the second death. Our bodies are going to die, but our spirits are either going to live forever, forever or die forever. Forever death is called hell. Come on, say hell. hell. Mm, some of you have been waiting to say that in church. All right. <laughs> The consequence of unforgiven sin is hell, eternal death, eternal separation from God. Yes, please bear with me on this. Yes, we heal the sick. Come on, tell somebody, heal the sick. Absolutely, yes, we cast out demons. Tell somebody, cast out demons. Absolutely, yes, we perform miracles. Tell somebody else, perform miracles. Come on. Absolutely, yes, we feed the hungry. Tell somebody else. Got to turn the other way. Say, feed the hungry. hungry. Clothe the naked. Give to the needy. But, but, yes, 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 yes to all of that. But the most important element of the gospel is the forgiveness of sins for eternal life. If we do all of that good stuff, all of those good works, but we fail to preach the gospel of salvation and lead people into the forgiveness of sins, we have failed our mission. We've got to understand eternity. You know, I could preach this all day long because for many, many years, my main role in ministry was an evangelist. This is the first time I've been like pastor, pastor, okay? For very many years, okay, I've been in ministry since I was 16, and I'm 40. More than the first half of that was evangelism. And y'all, because my heart is an evangelist, Encounter Church will be an evangelistic church, okay? It is who we are. It's in our DNA. You might not know it yet, but you're an evangelist. I don't mean you're an evangelist. going to have to get up and preach on a microphone. Some of you will. But every one of you has been called to be a soul winner. Stay here long enough and you'll get that fire under you. Going. We've got to understand eternity. Listen, I could tell you more and more and more about it, but let's just let the word of God do its job, all right? Let's go to Revelation. 20. It's about to get real serious. I'm having fun with this message, but this next scripture right here is nothing to play with. It's not even anything to smile about. And I saw a great white throne and one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. No hiding from him. I saw the dead, both great and small. And great and small means both important people and unimportant people. Standing before God's throne, and the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. 
The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Listen. Please. Believe the word of God and not modern heresy. There are churches today that don't even preach that hell is real. In fact, there are churches that preach that hell isn't real, that it's figurative. God doesn't need our opinions. God doesn't need us to help him with his word. This is real, guys. Right now, like right now, somebody just died. Right, right now. Somebody just died, probably in our city. How many are dying every day in the hospital and in nursing homes and in hospice and car accidents? And I mean, like that. People are going into eternity. Boom, 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 boom. This is what they're experiencing. Either their name is in the book of life or it's not. Guess who can do something about it? We can. We can. Absolutely. We can. We must, in fact. We must. Because hell is real, but heaven is very real. For those who are forgiven, everlasting life. Everlasting life in the presence of God. You say, but God already knows everybody who's going to be saved and who, everybody who's not going to be saved. Sure, cool. He knows everything. So what? Do you know? So trash your silly Calvinistic predestination. God already knows who he's going to save and who he's not going to save. Trash it. It's trash. Okay? It's trash. John Calvin said a lot of good things. But that God decided that he created some people to save and some people to damn? Bull. Okay? That is not Bible. Read the whole Bible and you'll get the clear picture. God sent Christ to save whosoever will call on his name. Does he happen to know everybody who will and who won't? Yes. He knows. But we don't. So guess what? We are to preach the good news to every living creature, the Bible says. We must help people repent and receive salvation. God, give us a revelation. Come on, I'm praying this for myself and I'm praying it for us. Pray it for yourself. Give us a revelation of eternity to stir our hearts so that we will win souls. Give me an eternal perspective today. Don't let me notice people and just see them as temporary people. Let me see them as eternal souls that need salvation. S, slow down. O, open your heart. You understand eternity. L, listen. Listen. Don't just talk. Come on, turn to somebody. I'm making you talk awful lot today, but just turn to somebody and say, don't just talk. Listen, listen. Listen to people and listen to God. 
Listen to people and listen to the Holy Spirit, right? This is what we see Jesus doing all the time. He's listening, he's connecting, he's feeling their needs, he's noticing, he's hearing them, he's seeing, but he's all the, all the time hearing the Father, what the Father says, right? And then he just does what he hears the Father say, right? But listen, let's listen, not just talk. Jesus listened, quote unquote, listened to the paralytic man and his friends. He didn't just act. Now, come on, somebody. Don't y'all know Jesus, when he saw them show up with the man on the mat, knew what they wanted? Don't you think he knew, don't you think he knew they were coming? Hello. But he didn't just on the, he could have said, you there outside the door, be on the crowd, out, out, out. Be healed, right? But he didn't just act. He didn't just do what he could do. He listened. He connected. He made time for them to present their case, if you will, Right? He connected. He could hear. This is what I see here in Jesus. He could hear with his heart. He could hear the man's real need. Now, he, he let them put on their show and lower him down. And, you know, he let them. He listened to. He listened. He watched them, right? But in his heart, in his spirit, he could hear the man's real need is forgiveness, right? And he could hear the father speaking. And so that's what he ended up providing, the friends don't really say much, in, in, at least in this version of the story. But Jesus is very clearly hearing their desperate cry. Question today. Can you hear lost and broken people crying out? They're probably not going to say much. Sometimes they will. I'll tell you a story in just a minute, but a lot of times they won't. A lot of times they'll tell you a bunch of superficial things but if you're really listening and you're listening to God you will hear the cry of their heart okay I remember I'm gonna have to go really quickly with these because it's 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 almost time to be done I remember my friend Carrie in high school he was the high school satanist right he was the high school satanist and he would bring his satanic Bible, and he would copy scriptures from the satanic Bible and shove it in my locker, because I was the Jesus freak. <laughs> Carried my big old, big old black Bible, put it down on my desk everywhere I went, told everybody about Jesus. Carrie didn't like me. He wanted to hurt me. But I could hear beyond that. I could, I could feel what God felt for that young man. I was like 16, and he was like 15. I could hear what was really in his heart. And I'll tell you, several years later, we graduated high, high school. I had already been to college. I was as, living as a missionary in Mexico. I received an email from Carrie saying, I remember the way you treated me and how you talked to me, and how you shared Jesus with me. And I want you to know that today, I'm born again, and I'm a youth pastor. <laughs> I remember my friend Nacho. Yes, there are guys named Nacho, right? <laughs> it's short for Ignacio. Nacho! Do you not realize? Okay, so... 
I hate orphans. Okay. Um, you got to watch Nacho Libre. I don't really hate orphans. Okay. All right. All right. All the orphans? No, that's actually a skeleto. All right. So Nacho was my friend. He was a waiter. We used to call him waiters. He was my server at a restaurant. He didn't speak a lick of English except me at order. Right? And I didn't speak much Spanish. But the, the thing I remember most about Nacho was his eyes. We couldn't communicate very much in the beginning, but his eyes cried out, somebody help me. Within a year, he spoke English, I spoke Spanish, and I won him to Jesus, okay? I remember some of, uh, some of my family remember some of these names. I remember uh, Daniel, Daniel. When I first became a missionary in Mexico, I would just go and preach in the streets. I'd literally go up and knock on people's doors and just tell about Jesus. And there was this kid, Daniel. He was 13 or 14. His mom had just died, okay? He didn't have a dad, and his mom had just passed away. He lived with his older sister and lots of younger siblings. And that young man, <laughs> all it took was listening to him. All, literally, all it took was telling him about Jesus one time. And that was it. He wanted Jesus, but I had to listen to him. Uh, some, uh, a, a few years later, I, I met this kid, Jose Miguel, <laughs> and his mom had become a Christian, and he was not having it. He knew, he began to hear what the Bible said, and I remember sitting down with him and him looking me in the eye. He, he, had, he always had glasses, and he always... His glasses always sag way down. So his glasses were way down here. He would look at you over the glasses, like over the top of the glasses. And he told me, I can't, he, would, he worshiped um, idols. Okay, he worshiped statues and images and stuff like that. And he looked at me, he said, I can never imagine that I would ever be able to stop worshiping these things. I've done it all my life. I can't even, and you know, I could have said, you pagan idolater. <laughs> Repent, arrepiente, right? But I just remember listening to him and hearing the Holy Spirit tell me exactly what to tell him. And it didn't take long. He did repent, okay? <laughs> he actually became one of the leaders in our church, in our youth group, yeah. There was another kid. Miguel, he was probably 20, and he was my taquero. You know what a taquero is? Okay. It was like these street taco trucks that you, like, in the middle of the winter, we would go out, and they would have these big cauldrons of soup, and this big, like, la plancha, the big, uh, how do you say la plancha? Griddle. Just chopping up carne asada and making tacos, and he was mad, yeah. And so I was going to get my tacos, and, and I would go, and I remember the Holy Spirit pointing him out to me and said, like, he needs me. He needs Jesus. So I would go and just sit there and eat tacos. <laughs> but I would sit there. I would sit. <laughs> it was a twofer, okay? It was a <laughs> I would sit there, but I would sit there for hours and just listen and talk to Miguel. At the age of 20, he was, all, he was already a desperate alcoholic, Okay? desperately, desperately addicted because of a lot of things he'd been through in life. But the more I listened to Miguel, the more he opened his heart up 
and I was able to win him to Jesus. I remember this kid, Rodolfo. His father was the bishop of the Mormon church in our city. Rodolfo had grown up religious, but he ain't know Jesus at all. He didn't know what the Bible said. He never for sure felt the Holy Spirit. And talking to Rodolfo was, it was a lot. <laughs> Listening to him and all of the stuff that was in his mind, all of the confusion that was in there. But eventually, I was able to lead him to Jesus. And listen, last Wednesday night, we had all these baptisms, and there was all this celebration going on. When we baptized Rodolfo, his whole family showed up to protest. Him be- Sometimes baptism isn't fun for everybody. He sh- they showed up to protest him being baptized in Jesus. I remember <laughs> Said. Said was a soldier, and he was, he was crazy, honestly. He was crazy. I think he, yeah. Like, he needed healing in his mind, and he got it, okay? But when I met Said, it was like, whoo, all right? But all you had to do was listen to him through his crazy talk, and you could hear his heart desperately crying out for Jesus. We're able to lead Said to Jesus. And he also became one of the leaders in our church. Taco guy, soldier, teenager, Mormon bishop's son, high school official Satanist. Alex, there's Alex. Alex, uh, he was... Uh, he's as lost as you can get. He liked to sleep with girls and drink beer. And when I met him, I just listened to him. Became his friend. Didn't take long for that conviction to hit. Today, Alex is the pastor of the church where I used to serve as a missionary. Okay? There was a kid, I bet you can't say his name. Can you say Virgilio? We called him Virgil, right? Because that was just easier. Actually, we ended up calling him Virgie, all right? I know that's kind of weird, but it's, it's, it's better in Spanish, okay? Um, I, was, I decided one night, I'm on, I'm not, we had small groups, cell groups, e-groups, groups, small groups, and I decided when I, I'm not going to have my small group in my house. It's just the same people coming again and again. I mean, they're, they're already disciples. Let's go do it out in the park. So we went, and we did our small group in the park, and, and uh, Virgilio showed up with some other friends on his bike, right? And he was probably 14 or 15, and I don't know why they just took an interest, and they just sat down there and listened, and uh, really rough life. Long story short, all it took was listening to him for a little while to be able to lead him to Jesus. Then there's our drummer, Caleb, who his friend Zeke listened to. Caleb grew up as a pastor's kid. He was, he was religious with a capital R. A capital R-E-L-I-G-I, all of them was capitalized, okay? But he didn't know Jesus. 
he, he wasn't born again. And he, Zeke brought him to my office. Now, by now, I'm a, I was a youth pastor. And I sat there and listened to Caleb. And right there on my office floor, Caleb came to Jesus. Yeah? Not too long after that, Will was one of Caleb's co-workers at a restaurant there. He was a server. Will was loster than lost. Yeah, our kids director, Will, loster than lost. But Caleb connected with him and listened to him and led him to Jesus. When we first moved here, there was this good-looking kid with hair that was my cashier at Publix. And Liz and I just befriended him. You know, we just, I just can remember, I mean, I can look at him right now, and I can still remember looking into his eyes and being able to hear what was going on on the inside. Like, please, somebody, show me Jesus. And, well, now he's one of the leaders in our church. <laughs> I have a lot more stories, but it's time to, to come to the end. A few weeks ago, I was at the park with the kids, and this lady, a single mom, pregnant, very pregnant, I didn't know she was a single mom. You know what? She told me. Just being there, sitting with the kids. I just looked at her and smiled, and she just felt like she could talk to me. Literally within five minutes, she told me her entire life story. And with my kids, we were able to lay hands on her, pray for her, bless her, bless her baby, and share Jesus with her. Sometimes you just got to listen to people. Sometimes you, I could have not noticed her. I happen to be sitting down, slowing down for a moment, right? Many of you could tell me stories like this. Uh-oh, it's time for the preacher to stop. I know, I'm almost, we're almost to the last letter, all right? Listen, as Jesus listened to as Jesus listened to people, he listened to God, the Father's voice, and he knew exactly what to do and say every time. I want to encourage you, if you will humble yourself enough to just listen to people and at the same time listen to God, he will tell you exactly what to say and show you exactly what to do every time. He will. He will. He wants to use you, but you got to be willing to listen. Yes. All right, S, slow down, O, open your heart, L, that is not the next letter, S, slow down, I got to slow down, <laughs> O, open your heart, U, understand eternity, L, listen, and S, souls, speak, come on, tell somebody, speak, come on, you speak about a lot of other stuff, get this, People can see the gospel through your life, yes. But they can only be saved when they hear the gospel. 
People can't be saved by just seeing a gospel testimony. In order to be saved, they must hear the gospel. Okay? The Bible says that faith comes by hearing. That's why a lot of people saw Jesus' miracles, but they didn't believe because they weren't listening. The only way to be saved is to hear the gospel. And the only way for people to hear the gospel is for you to tell them. <sighs> speak. We got to speak up. 1 Corinthians 1.21. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. You might feel a fool. <laughs> There have been times when I felt like a fool. It's like, this person probably has no desire to hear what I'm telling them. I'm going to tell them anyway. Sometimes you might not even know what in the world am I going to say. I feel like a fool. And then you just open your mouth. I, I dare you to try it. I dare you to try to tell somebody about Jesus and feel like you don't know what to say. I dare you. I promise you the Holy Spirit will literally put words in your mouth. He will. He does it. It's our foolish preaching. It's the only thing that saves people is when they hear the gospel. And to hear the gospel, we got to preach it to them. You know, I ain't a preacher. You are. You just don't know it. You don't got to be this kind of preacher. A, a few of us like this is plenty, okay? All of you are preachers to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to your classmates, to your cashiers, to your servers. Romans 10, 13 through 15, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on them to save them, on him to save them, unless they believe in him? And how can they believe if they've never what? Heard, if they've never heard about him. And how can they hear unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is what the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Come on, look at your feet. Come on, look at your feet. Come on, look at your feet. This is what my mom used to tell me all the time. I'm 40 years old and she still tells me. Come on, look at your feet. Tell them, you're so pretty. <laughs> See, God, God looks at our coming and going and moving and living life as beautiful. When we carry the message of the good news everywhere we go. I don't know about you, but I want beautiful feet. <laughs> I want God to say that about me. Great news, all right? Great news. You can preach the gospel. You can speak. Even if I'm shy, even if you're shy. If you have the ability to talk, you can speak. And if you can't talk, we'd like to pray for you so you can speak. But you can write. Come on, every one of us can speak. Build, this is my, my challenge to you today. Holy Spirit says build a flat platform through your life example, your testimony, your love, your service. But on that platform, stand up and speak. Let your life be the platform, the example that you give, the testimony that you show. The integrity with which you live. The example that you set. Let that be your platform. 
But don't just be like, well, they're going to see it. No, they need to hear it. Stand up on that platform and tell them. Speak. Open your mouth. That's why you got a mouth. <laughs> That's why we have a mouth. Souls are depending on me. Souls are depending on you. Come on, say it. Souls are depending on me. The great news is, come on, just bear with me. I know it's, this, is, this is it, all right? You don't have to be a preacher to preach. Come on. It's very simple. You don't have to be a preacher to share the message of the good news. I, want to ch I challenge you to slow down and notice people this week and ask God to let you feel what they feel. Here's another challenge. Share your story and share the story. That's all it takes to share the good news. Two stories. Share your gospel story. What do you mean? What Jesus has done in your life. Just share your story. Your story matters. Your story can change somebody's life. Share your story, the story of what Jesus has done in your life. But also share the gospel story. Tell them what the Bible says. I only know two or three scriptures. That's enough. You'll learn more as you do it. Share your story and share the story. Slow down. Open your heart. Understand eternity. Listen speak as we approach Easter and prepare for just this upcoming season of reopening small groups and a bunch of evangelistic stuff that we're going to be doing we've got to keep the main thing the main thing and the main thing is souls and disciples right souls and disciples that's that's the kingdom but remember disciples can only be made of souls that have been saved. We've got to go after those that aren't saved. Would you stand up? You know, as we get ready to close the service, it's very easy to get distracted and to start thinking about what you're going to go eat for lunch and what you got to do this afternoon run to the bathroom and get the kids but I would I would ask I just want to ask a favor if we could keep all movement and distraction to a minimum just for another couple of minutes all right as you stand this is a very important moment I want to make three calls today for you to respond to the word of God first of all first of all have you been saved? Talking about souls being saved. Have you been saved? Have you repented of your sins? Come on, have you turned away from your sinful life and turned your heart over to God? Have you believed in Jesus to save you? Have you called on the Lord Jesus Christ to save you? Have you been born again? Has the Holy Spirit come on the inside of you and given you a new life? It's called being born again. Have you been born again? If you haven't, you can be. 
right now, right there where you're standing. It's very simple. Turn away from sin. Make a decision today to no longer live your life in sin against God. Turn your heart to God and place your total faith in Jesus. Jesus never sinned, but he hung and died on the cross and became sin for us so that we could be forgiven. Come on today, if you need to be born again, call out to Jesus right there where you are. Maybe you even need to come to the altar. Listen, sometimes I don't really know what to do in this situation. I could say repeat after me or raise your hand or do this and that. This has got to be real. If you need to surrender your life to Jesus, do it today. Do it right there. Do it right now. Listen, here's the other one. And I know that there are some folks in the house that need to respond to this today. You are backslidden. You know Jesus, but you have not been following him. Maybe at one point in your life you were close to God, but you are not close to him right now. You've walked away from Jesus. And today, God in his great love is calling you to come home, to come back to him. Turn back today. Turn back today. Turn back today. If anyone, as we just sing for a couple of minutes, if anyone needs to respond to those first two calls, I'm going to give you one minute to do it right there in your seat as we sing. And if you would like to come to the altar to pray, to repent, to respond the altar is open for you and then I'm gonna make the third call come on if anybody needs to respond if you need to be saved today if you need to be forgiven today if you need God to forgive you and wash away your sins and give you a new life or if you've been backslidden if you've been far from God and today you want to come home to God just respond to him just cry out to him Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.